<laughs> okay, so, um, all right. So I'm going to start off with an introduction and then begin with your, is Daniel holding himself? <laughs> oh my God. I'm I told you, edit all of his parts, I told you. <laughs> I'm done with you. Okay, I'm so um, you guys just mute yourself first and then All right, hello, hello. This is Pearl Way, um, all the way from the Bay, your hostess with the mostest. And this is the XXVI project, which means 26, for those of you who have forgotten Roman numerals. This project is something that I've been brewing up for quite some time to hold space for diverse young voices and, you know, just basically ask the question what it feels like to be 20 something. Um, I chose 26 because it feels like a filler year. We celebrate going into 20, 21, 25. Our life kind of seems really planned out, you know, up to that point. It's like, you know, you're in college, you just finished college, and then 26, like what really happens at 26? Um, so before you log out, this conversation is not only for a 26 year old, it's more like anyone who's in their 20s. I just started with 26 because it just felt like a great number to start with. Um, so with me today, it's an amazing group of individuals, my spiritual group, my hype man. Fun fact, I met y'all, I met all these people at various parties. So it's all jai jai with them. Kwame disagrees, I don't know, but I met you there. Um, so I like to call them Kelpie Vibes. I don't know you guys, I don't know what you guys think about just calling ourselves Kelpie Vibes as a group. <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, just like the whole burner boy thing, um, it's Kelpie vibes with these people and I can assure you that's going to be a very fun listen. We're just going to have like a good time. So just as a formal introduction, informal introduction, um, these guests are all African giants, by the way. So with me, I have my pastor, our pastor, our guy from Ghana, from the Gold Coast, um, he also lived in Swaziland. Um, my sister with her vivacious and all her vibes, photographer all the way from South Africa, giving us Soweto vibes. We also have my sister from Nigeria. You know, she's a third culture kid, very well-traveled. We have another queen in our midst, our voice of reasoning, to be honest, to check some people, keep them in line from Nigeria, and last but not the least, my ex-husband, um, because of his Yoruba demon tendencies. <laughs> um, we have the CEO of the Yoruba demon convention, Bay Area chapter in our midst. So as you can see, it's all Kelpie vibes, you know, just Kelpie vibes, people are fun. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to let them introduce themselves formally. Um, they're just going to say their names, where they're from, where they work. See, these people, they're in tech, so they're making more money than I am. <laughs> and then for those who have turned 26, their birthdays, and those who are going to turn 26, you know, their birthdays as well. So we're going to start off with Tendo. Um, she's the oldest amongst us <laughs> by some months. <laughs> so Tendo, why don't you start us off? <laughs> Um, my name is Tyndall and I'm from South Africa. Um, I was born February 5th, 1994 uh, at Chidi Hospital in South Africa, yeah. So I've lived here for some time, but I was born and raised in South Africa. 
Okay, thank you. Um, that is Tando. And then we're going with Kwame, the second youngest. <laughs> second oldest, sorry. Ah, second oldest, yo. <laughs> yo, what's up? Um, first of all, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, my name is Kwame, also known as Kwame Yo. Uh, I was born in Swaziland, Babani, Swaziland. Um, in April, uh, on the 23rd of April, 94. Yeah. So originally born in Swaziland, but I'm Ghanaian by blood, Ghanaian throughout. So you get twisted. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to the third to the third oldest, our CEO, YDC gag, Daniel. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, first of all, the weather is amazing out here in San Francisco. Um, I'm I'm Daniel Brimo, uh, affectionately called Bosch. I'm um the appointed CEO of uh, this industry that we don't talk about much. I was born on September 2nd, 994. I'm a mama's boy. I'm a Christian. I'm also a sinner. I'm a software engineer. I'm, I'm a man of the people and I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, um, Daniel. <laughs> and now we have um, Tiffany. <laughs> Hello everyone, I'm Tiffany. It's a pleasure to be here. Love all of you. I am, I guess my birthday, October 12th, 1994. I was born in the US, but to Nigerian parents. So I grew up in Nigeria and Austria and then moved to the US for my formal years. And yeah, just here doing things, trying to figure it out. Filler vibes, filler vibes. Great. And last but not the least, Naomi. Hey, y'all. I'm excited to be here today. Uh, my name is Naomi. I was born November of 1994. I am Nigerian, but I was born in London. And I've lived in the US for about 15 years. Okay. All right. Well, if you're listening, this is the Kelpie vibes in all our glory. Um, just a quick intro for me, it's Pearl, and I think I'm the second youngest before Naomi, so I was born October 29, 1994, born and raised in Lagos, Nigeria. I'm a Lagos babe, a and then I moved to <laughs> I moved to the Bay Area to study um, at UC Berkeley, and yeah, I'm just really excited to be here with y'all. So to get us all comfortable, I created some icebreakers. Um, first of all, Africa Day was a couple days back. So I decided that we're going to test and see what we know and what we do not know about the continent. <laughs> so the first category is states and capital. <laughs> so I'm going to mention a state and you're going to tell me the capital. So you guys can, you know, whoever is the first to unmute and answer, go ahead. So. The first country is gonna, I'm gonna start out easy and then the hard ones. The first country is Kenya. Nairobi. Nairobi, it's not fair. Okay, so I'm gonna give it to- They're already off mute. Either Kwame or Disney. Okay, the next one would be Togo. Lume. Okay, yo. Kwame, no, you went to school though. You went to school. Okay. Um, Ethiopia. Addis Ababa. Addis Ababa. 
Yes, that's just that so fun. That was it. That was it. You have business in Ethiopia. Are you there? No, that, that was supreme. Ah, you have business. Okay. You don't know, I, I know people. Ah. We'll come to that. <laughs> okay. Um, the next one, Lesotho. Uh, Maseru. Ah, wow, Kwame. <laughs> okay. Namibia. Windu. Windu. Kwame for this round. That was literally me. Okay, I'll give it to Tiffany. <laughs> How? Yo, I said it even <laughs> twice before her. No, okay, y'all split, split the vote, y'all. Y'all can split yeah. the point. Split the point. How exactly. did you said it before her, though? <laughs> we ain't in the business of splitting points. It's internet lag. Okay. Yo, Comcast. Tiffany, just take the L. Take the L. That's it. Ah, 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 ah. Okay, we have Zimbabwe. Harare. Okay, that Tiffany, but I've got to that one right. We have I Algeria. Two day. Mm, no, that was not. Algeria. Algeria. Oh, it's a. It's a. Fuck. Algiers, right? It's Algiers. Daniel. Daniel. Daniel I, said yeah. I said it like three Algiers. times. Yeah, no one answered. Yeah. We have Egypt. <laughs> no, me. What's going on? Cairo. <laughs> you guys are. You guys I'm are so fun. fast. You know all I'm the yelling. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't. Mm. Saturday vibes. <laughs> okay, well, the last, <laughs> the last country for this category is Niger. Abuja. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Give it to the man. Give it to him. I, I don't want I, I heard. <laughs> I, I thought you said Ria. Yeah. Niger. I thought you said Ria. Sorry. Give it to Nigeria. the man. Give it to him. Just give it to him. It's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Wow, So the capital of Niger, the capital of Niger is Naime. Okay. Vibes. Healthy vibes. All right. So the next category um is name the artist. So we're starting off with old school, all the old African songs our parents played on repeat that eventually we just had to love because we had no choice. So let's start off with the first song is Wombo Lombo. Who sang that song? Uh, is it Lil Wayne? First of all, these are <laughs> Lil, Lil Wayne from West Africa or South Africa? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Can we get a snippet? Can we get a snippet? Like, hum something for us. Yeah, so, um, Wobble Lombo, this kind of. Is that a YouTube link? Wobble Lombo. I don't know. Like, Is that, can you give us options? Give us options to make it more fun. Options. <laughs> a. Back end. What's happening? A. Salty Soul. B. Nah. <laughs> B. Angelique Kijo. Angelique Kijo. I saw you look Angelique at the Angelique Kijo. Okay. Then another question. Okay. Thank you, Mr. DJ. That's a very popular song. Thank you, Mr. DJ, for playing my song. Thank you, thank you. Ah, yeah. oh, no, it's a Christian one. Yeah, hold on. It's um, not a Christian. It's Mr. DJ. Oh, How is that a Christian? Sorry. Oh my God. I'm, I'm no, no, none of you know this I'm one. Oh, my God. Y'all are, y'all are hella bougie. Okay. So that one was by... Ah. <laughs> by who? By Yvonne Shakaka. Like, Shaka Shaka? 
Nobody? No? Yeah, I know, I know her. I know her. Yeah. I mean, we know her, but like, we didn't know the song. It's okay. Okay. Um, Shakara. That's like 40 artists. There's DRB. I'd be like, which one? Okay, Shakara, no. West Africa, old, like the the pioneer, okay, one of the pioneers of like, you know, I don't want to give it away, but one of the legends in Nigeria, Shakara. Is it double HP? Can you sing it? <laughs> okay, Shakara, low, low, bay, Shakara. Fela Kuti, that's the only old artist I know. <laughs> it's, it's Fela Kuti, guys. It's Fela, I can't remember. Hey, okay. it's, it's Fela Kuti. Um, it's let's see. It's okay, it's so correct. it's Fela Kuti. Hey. Yes, you're right. I, I guess. Oh, thank Hello. You. Okay, what of... Oh, my God. I don't think I can ask you guys any old songs because I don't think we... Why to... ask now? Okay, what of Pata Pata? Miriam Makebe. Oh. Yes. Yes, you're correct. Okay, um, this is Together as One from South Africa. Um, UB40. Mm-hmm. Uh, together as One. Is it Dallas? Dallas? No, no, no. <laughs> This guy. Nasty <laughs> It's it's uh, no 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 no. It's um it's a group, right? No, it's just one person. He's one of the most popular oh. South African singers, Rastafarian. Let me help you guys out. Okay, okay, okay. Ah. Rastafarian South African. Yeah. Lucky Dube. Oh. Ah. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Hey. Tendo, are you not? Tendo, you are not You gotta sing the song. Okay. Song. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. What are we are one? It's a very popular song. Oh, Michael Jackson. No. MJ. Mm. We <laughs> are one family. Family. Come, there's no Spotify app. You be 40. You be 40. It's Angelique. Okay, last, last one for the old for the old category. What Damn. Are you okay, um, if you call Shakara woman, she no go agree. She go say she oh, go fella. say. Fella. 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 Yeah, there we go. Okay, so why did you take it to any of the Maposa? It's also, it's also like whiskey. It's also whiskey. So whiskey of Fela, one of the two. Jaye, Jaye. That's yeah, exactly. Jaye, Jaye, Jaye. Anyways, um, okay, so moving to Afrobeat, like 2000. Who sang "Holla at Your Boy"? Whiskey. Who sang "Ekuro"? David Go. Carme. Who sang "Busy Body"? Oh, P-square. P-square. Yeah. Who sang Kiss Your Hand? Who's... Hey, Wadiko. Ah, 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 your... And who? Wadiko and who? Come, did you not tell me there get was extra here, points? Me. I was going to say the extra points. Come here, get out of here. You have to give me a second one. Please, give me... I won this round, though. What? Oh, How many win this round? Who sang Omoge? Hey, whiskey, whiskey, whiskey. He has a song on Morgan. He's square. Forgive me. Ati body me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. Who sang Omalicha? Ah, whiskey. 
All right. Well, we've come yeah, to just end. Whiskey oh, for everything. Of course, whiskey is going to be. No, it's whiskey. whiskey. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really yes. Oh, yes. Okay. So the next category. Why did you um, include two eight? Can you imagine? Sorry. We just. I really have very few questions for time's sake. So the last category is each of you has to mention one Afrobeat dance move. So y'all know y'all know how to dance a couple of them. So the first name that comes to your mind. Atlanta. The one that is like Atlanta. fire is burning. Yes. Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda. Look at that. That's a Ghanaian. No, Azonto, then Al-Qaeda came. Yo. That's Ghanaian news, yeah. right? Okay, well, it wasn't that popular. I wasn't on this call. It was. I wasn't on this call. I wasn't on this call. Okay, well, last one is, so Tendo, what's popular African dance move name comes to mind? <laughs> Tendo's like, huh? Uh, Tendo's like, oh, yeah. Hey. Yeah, hey. Hey. I can't believe everybody <laughs> said big body, but okay, well... <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we thought that was like already indicated because you know, African giant. <laughs> All right, so that's um, basically it for the icebreaker round, just to get us comfortable and like just to know that conversation is very fluid and we're just going to have a nice time um, talking about this. So we're going into you know the conversation proper. So the first question I'll ask is. If you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would it be? Naomi. Oh, okay. I'll give you all <laughs> um, dead or alive. You know, I'm just gonna have to go with like what a lot of people's pick probably is, but Michelle Obama, like, she is like intelligent, poised, authentic, her true self. And I think there's just a lot that she understands about just the overlaps of what it means to be a Black woman in this space in modern times and what modern like policy and economics and culture mean. Um, and I'd love to just have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with her, like outside of, you know, media and outside of like the pressure of what an audience looks like. Thank you. Um, so Kwame, if you had to have dinner with someone dead or alive, who would it be? Yeah, being recorded. Um, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Uh, the first person that comes to mind is um, Fred Swanika. I don't know if you guys know him. Uh, so for those who don't know Fred Swanika, he's, um, he's an alum of McKinsey & Company, alum of Stanford um, um, Business School. He started... Um, the African Leadership Academy in South Africa and now African Leadership University on the continent. And I just, I've, I've met him, we've spoken, but we've not had dinner. So that's the next step, I guess. <laughs> but he's, he's honestly a visionary. Um, and, I, and, I, and I really like people who think, of, who, who think outside of the norm and uh, are not afraid to go after, you know, whatever they envision. And that's exactly what he's doing. And he's actually making an impact on the continent at scale. Um, so, you know, just to talk to someone like that and understand like what, what triggered him to even get this idea off the ground and, you know, what are some of the characteristics that he, he looking you know, at some point when you're starting something, you have to look internally and see like, 
am I the right person? Like, what can I offer this continent or the world? And obviously he did that. So I'd like to know like what triggered him to actually start what he's starting and what motivated him to keep going. Cause you know, the continent now, like there's so many blockers, there's so many roadblocks and he's still going at it and he's on, you know, he's on a mission and he's conquering. So yeah, there's mm-hmm. someone I'd really like to sit down and just chat with and know, you know, what motivates him, what pushes him and learn more about his experiences. Right. Um, for the sake of the audience, could you repeat the name of the guest that you mentioned? Oh, yeah, Fred Swanika. And by the way, he's not South African. He's not from Botswana. He's Ghanaian. A lot of people get it just in the media. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, Tendo, so Dead or Alive, which guest would you love to have at dinner? Um, kind of uh, on the same vein as Kwame on just wanting to talk to someone who is a visionary. Um, so I kind of think of Akon, just just top of my mind of people who are able to kind of find success in the creative field and then being able to kind of um, find that kind of service aspect of being successful and going back to the continent with Akon City and Kind of working with other philanthropists on how to improve um, the continent. So definitely on the same vein as Kwame Fisher for many of us who want to do the same. It's cool to want to find a person who's already done that and is like multifaceted and multi-talented and doesn't only just do that one thing. So I think Akon is pretty cool for that. Yeah, thank you. Um, just for the purpose of recording, I don't know if it's your headphones, but it, it's something that's creating a buzz. Um, I'm not sure what it could be. Can you hear me? Yeah, but it buzzed. This is like buzz. Um, the background noise. And I yeah, it sounds like someone is cutting something or, you know, like a... Like, like a sheep is being like shared, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to try without headphones first and then? Not the headphones. It's not the headphones? No, it's in the background. Yeah, so you'll just hear. It's in the background. It's, yeah. Is this fine? It sounds like a fan, like a fan, like being grinded. <clears throat> There's a, quite a few calls happening in the same house. So, yeah. It's okay. Um, I will try yeah. to do something about that. Okay. So the next person, um, Tiffany, if you had a guest dead or alive, who would it be? Wow, I think the person that I would love to speak with would be Barack Obama. So on the same wavelength as Naomi, but on the other side, just in terms of, you know, one, um, this is journey in life, how he got to where he was how we had that, you know, that courage, and that vision, that drive to keep on going, especially in the U.S. and in that time frame, and the people he took on, um, it seemed like it was impossible. And then also when he got there, just I love diplomacy and the amount of knowledge and access he had to on such a global scale, and you know what that looked like. And then how how do you process that? How do you make decisions? And so I think it would be amazing just to talk to him and to get his insight and get his perspective on life. Thank you. Amazing answer. Um, Daniel, who would your guest be? 
Sure. If I may, can I do a female animal? Sure. Well, you're Daniel. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. For um, a male, it would, uh, it's a toss up. I, uh, I'll start with the female first. The female is very easy. The female would be like Bunny Durego. I don't know if you guys know her, but like yeah. 2001, Miss Yo, World. Yo, Nigeria was so happy that day. Legend. And I mean, I, I grew up knowing that, but I never like, I wasn't like, I think, conversant enough to like appreciate that. So just, I'm curious to know how that time of her life was and just how, you know, she persevered throughout all of that. Cause I'm sure she was facing a lot of discrimination, a lot of like hate before, after and during her reign. Mm-hmm. And then just, you know, the fashion industry, like is just something that I know a model industry is just not, there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting stories that I feel like she would have. So that, um, She's also very attractive. Um, on the on the male side, mm, it's not the most popular option, but maybe a Basanjo, just because to me he's the most powerful like man in Nigeria, if not maybe like Africa. A Basanjo, like I'm curious to know just how like the politicians, how their mind works. Like he's been president. I think he's still the president, but I believe he's been president for Nigeria since like 1999, honestly. Like if not before or longer. Like, so, yeah, that's it for me. Oh, you guys, all your answers are just so phenomenal. Just like various intellectuals. And I agree, Obasanjo was like one of those presidents that even though he had his own issues, like Nigeria economically was at a very good standing, you know, like the dollar to the Naira was, you know, 100 Naira to a dollar at the time. So compared to now that we're at 300 and something. So yeah, Obasanjo... Um, it's a very good pick. I would say for me, I'm sure y'all know, um, I hate to be cheesy, but it's Beyonce because, <laughs> I mean, I respect all my, every, <laughs> all the leaders and I have a lot of people that I look up to, but if I had one request or I was giving a wish, it has to be Beyonce and I'll probably pass out at a dinner, but the fact that she was even there, wow. Like I have so many questions. <laughs> Even now I'm just thinking about it. I'm like, whoo, I'm ready to hyperventilating. Cause you know, that woman since I've since I was seven has just always has been a constant in my life. Um and I feel like people always think that, oh my god, probably is just like no. For me, it's just her work ethics has just always made me feel like, well, if Beyonce could do it, then why not me? You know, she's constantly reinventing herself, she's constantly being on top of her game. And even though like I'm not a singer like her, I kind of just took in those like attributes those elements I just always wanted to stand out to everything I wanted to do because I felt like well if Beyonce can do it then I can do it too and hopefully one day I can get to meet her and tell her that you know all my life people always inspired me before every interview I would always listen to one Beyonce song like before every big moment in my life one I just have to listen to Beyonce um so yeah she would be (laughs) she'd be the person for me um yeah so thank you all for those amazing answers um this is a very cheesy one, but what is the best compliment you've ever received? So, you know, about yourself, your, maybe your work ethics or, you know, your personality. I mean, I can say so many amazing things about you all, but, you know, what's the one thing that like one compliment that someone has ever told you that just like, you know, has stuck with you all this while? Um, we'll start with Daniel. Thank you. I'm like thinking, I'm thinking, should I go, uh, you know, when you're watching a movie and then there's TV, there's a TVMA. Oh, compliment. Just one. How do I, you understand? 
It's not. I guess. Ah, no, but then she. Can I? Another thing I was going to say. Um, I'm sorry, just to diverge, and this is so funny. But I also would love to talk to someone that has like the exact opposite of morals for me. Like maybe like, like someone that like the KKK or like, you know, a murderer. Just like, I want to know different ideals and sit down and talk to people that are like clashing for me. You can write that down, yeah. So that's just something that came to my mind. But in terms of a compliment, I would say that, um, you know, I, uh, I'm stubborn. That's it. Like my stubbornness, yeah. It's like, wow. Um, an answer. Thank you. Um. <laughs> Excuse me. What the hell was that? <laughs> to say. What do you mean an answer? I said the person said I'm very stubborn. And I was like, thank you. Okay. Um, Naomi, what is um, the best compliments you've ever received? Best compliment I've ever received? Um, I mean, it's hard to look into the archives of the last 25 years. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Uh, I'll pick one. Um, one of like the really uh, one of the best compliments I receive is just being complimented about like how just how I love and take care of my sister and being like a really good um, older sister. So my little sister is nine years old, so she's my little baby. Yeah, I've seen that before. You're an amazing senior sister. Um, so well, I think I'm it's not just saying. There's no context for me. You said you're stubborn. I agree. You are stubborn because the fact that you've even interjected me, Daniel, you, I completely agree that you are stubborn. Um, so Tiffany, what is the best compliment you've received? I think I would say the, or the best compliment I've received recently that really, I was like, oh, that's, um, or that it, say unexpected, um, what I enjoyed was um, I received a compliment about like my cover letter. So I was in an interview and she was like, oh, I wrote your cover letter and it was fire. And I was like, thanks. Cause that shit, you put in time and dedication. So I, I enjoyed that. That was not only the one you said on the other call we're on. Remember that call? Yeah, Suru. Okay, sorry. Whatever. Okay, so Kwame, what was the best compliment you've ever received? I was hoping you were going to give me a little bit more time trying to, you know, stack ranks. But uh, I think the one that, <laughs> the one that, that, that I could, you know, just, you know, call out now, I think it's um, about my passion. Um, whatever I work on, um, I'm, I've been told by multiple people that I'm very passionate. So whatever I'm doing, it means I believe in it. And therefore, um, you know, I, I put my all into it. So that's, that's something that humbles me. It's like, I never looked at, I never saw that in myself, but um, you know, it's nice to see that people think that whatever I put my heart to, I'm passionate about. Yes, I, I completely agree on that as well. Um, you're very passionate and yeah, it's, it just exudes, you know, the, your passion for the continent, your passion for your work, um, your music, you know, just, you know, it keeps showing and you're, Ghanaian jello fries as well. You know, you, you, you don't joke with that. <laughs> I mean, I've been there. I've seen you cook, so I know. <laughs> it came out in the taste, huh? It came out in the taste, huh? <laughs> I mean, I've seen you cook, so I know. Um, so I would say for me, um, I guess, I don't want to, yeah. So I would say Queen, 
um, for the longest time, like my friends back home would always call me queen. And I think it's just like a combination of a couple of things. Um, my personality, I just like, first of all, I just like everything has to be up to par. Like it has to be very high standard. Um, and that is very reflective in my work, um, in my relationship with people, in my spiritual life. So I just like to have this very grounded sense. And also like, um, like in the Bible, like we're not here to serve, but to be served. Sorry, we're not here to, yeah. We're, not, we're here to serve, but not to be served. So yeah, um, that's the same, like that's a queen mentality that I have. It's like to serve people and not just like wait for me to be served. Like, oh yeah, I've arrived to so do this for me, but I just really like to give back or like, you know, when it comes to conferences, competitions, I know that I just want to make sure that everybody feels comfortable. Um, so yeah, that is one question down. So the third question would be, what is it like to be 26? Like what does 26 mean to you? I don't think you asked tender. Okay. So what does it mean to be 26? Um, it's such a, like, do you think it's a boring age to you? Was it something you've been looking forward to? And, you know, thinking about it now, like, is this like where you are currently? Is it what you hoped and dreamed for yourself? <laughs> I'm sure we can say no to that one. But um, we're going to start with Naomi. It's a very big question. Um, well, I'm not 26 yet. I turned 26 in November, so it's coming up. Um, but you know what? I don't think, just looking back, I don't think I necessarily was like, when I'm 25 or when I'm 26, this is what life is going to look like and this is what I'm going to be doing. I think there was this idea of like, oh, I'm going to be grown. I'm going to have it all figured out and be living this lifestyle. And then you get here and you're like, oh, I'm still figuring it out. And that is actually okay. And I think it's just also realizing that like, when I was younger, like romanticizing being older with like having everything figured out and always knowing what you're doing. And then realizing for the most part, no one really knows what they're doing. They're kind of figuring out <laughs> along the way. Um, but I feel really good about where I am, um, especially just like thinking about what my growth has been like personally over the last few years, um, just how I've grown to understand myself um, and how much growth there is left for that and how like, that's just part of like the journey of life, understanding yourself, evolving and then stopping and pausing to do that over and over again as you age. Um, yeah. Thank you. Um, so we're going to go with Tiffany. I mean, you haven't turned 26 yet, but it's coming soon. So what is like, what does it feel like? Or what does 26 mean to you? Yeah, I, I've been reflecting on, on that in life. And I don't think I ever, like similar to Naomi, I don't think I ever had um, a plan where I said, oh, bye. 25, I want to do this, and 26, and this and that. It was, it's always, you know, the focus is on the milestones. Um, but I think, I think 26 and these years are, are hard working years. So they're years where you can plant a seed. Um, so that by the time, you know, we are 30 and onward, we're able to see the results of these seeds. We're able to see, you know, the hard work we put in flourish. And so for me, the focus has primarily been on 
you know, being comfortable with the fact that we don't have it figured out, but we're going through this journey. Life is a journey and just having a plan for that, having a plan for that and putting in work. And I never thought, <laughs> I, I, can't even, I can't even understand the fact that I am 25 going on 26, but obviously I'm so thankful for life and health and the facts and the reality that not many people make it here and make it to this age. Um, so just thankful and looking forward to it. Thank you so much for that. Like, I'm just taking notes because you all are dropping gems. Um, so I'm going to pass this question on to Daniel. What does it mean to be 26 when you do turn in September? Sure. Um, this is such an inter- interesting question. So uh, it's like, you don't necessarily, like, for me, I feel like I think of life in like just increments. So like, when you're born, born or whatever, up until when you remember like your existence, which is I think maybe six, seven. And then when you do your, like your teenage years or like you start your teenage years, 12, 13, whatever. And then when you somewhat like are living alone or like you're thrust into college, you know, 17, 18, and then like you're out of college or whatever, like, you know, mid twenties. And then after that is like the basis of then where you're pretty much an adult or you're expected to be an adult. So for me, my answer to that is, Around this time, when I was still in the phase of, let's say, being like a teenager uh, about to enter college, I expected myself to be somewhat of a fully functional adult by like my mid-20s. And I and I am. So if there's one goal I set for myself in terms of just doing something in like my mid-20s is to be self-sufficient, is to be able to take care of people if I if need and definitely take care of myself. And I would hope everyone had that like goal, at least in terms of just or at least has that to be a goal one day. And I see myself very comfortable in that. And I'm very proud that I have that now in my uh, 20s. Then I also have my 20s. And I knew back then, you know, like a decade ago, is it would be a year of experimentation and a year of like educational, physical, you know, you know, philosophical, whatever, any form of growth, because the moment settling down starts, there's not no time and energy for that. Like in our 20s, we would have statistically like the most energy, just physically possible. So I'm trying my best to use that for good. And, um, you know, ask me this question, how I feel like I'll be when I'm 30, like a year from now. And I'll probably still give the same answer because I don't know when I will not have enough energy as I have now. Because I can definitely say right now in this period of at least in my life, not sure I've ever had this amount of energy. So, right. yeah. Well, there you have it. So the CEO of YDC, you know, he has a lot of energy to expend in his 20s. So ladies and gentlemen, if you want to take him on, please. <laughs> That's how fake me starts. Snip it out of context. It's not. Okay, Kwame. So what, you know, what does 26 mean? You have turned 26. You know, you're quick to remind us. Um, what does 26 um, mean to you? And, you know, how have you, like, envisioned it for yourself? I'll start with what does 26 look like for me. I've been 26 for um, just over a month now. Um, And just from the day I turned 26, it was nothing like I envisioned to, like, I had plans. I, you know, I had things that I was going to do and celebrate just like I did for my 25th birthday. Um, and it was just sad to see all those things like 
weeks before just it was clear that it's not going to work out and um and then it came it, it was more it was more real on the day that oh okay i'm not in new york i'm not at my friend's wedding i'm not doing the things that i planned you know to do on my birthday but i'm at home and i'm healthy and um you know and everything is great so for me that's what it looked like but what does it mean to me it means it's just been a it's been um so far uh, it's been the age of reflection for me like i've always i'm a very reflective person but this year it, it, with everything that's going on and just you know being forced to be indoors and, and everything um definitely i'll remember this age as the year of reflection and um and understand and just gratefulness because i've gone to you know come to understand that you know like life as we know it um you know for like how we've been living you know for the past few years and so forth like personally um i'm always moving and then i don't take enough time to stop and pause and reflect on everything and be grateful and i've had that opportunity to do that now so for me it's been you know a time where i've learned that okay this is actually a very important part of my process and my growth and my life in order to do what i want to do when i'm 28 do what i want to do in 20, when i'm 27 and so forth right i do have to keep doing what i'm doing in terms of you know making the efforts and everything but a big piece of it is to stop pause be grateful and reflect so that you could use kind of like your your lessons from everything that you've gone through and everything that's happening to fuel your growth in the future right Thank you so much for that comment. That was just, you know, the age of reflection. And I completely, I completely agree with that. Um, I just feel like with everything that's going on, it's really a good time to think and just like, you know, take stock of what you have, be grateful and also just like to plan ahead and just most importantly to rest because it's still like a very long marathon ahead of us. We still have the 30s, you know, hopefully, inshallah, you know, 40s, 50s to go. So, you know, this is a good time to rest at 26. <laughs> um, okay, well, thank you all for your um, wonderful answers. So the next question I would ask is, over the years, what kind of relationships have shaped your journey? So whether it's personal, whether it's at work, you know, on your your soccer team you know just like that relationship that you've had that you know has you know helps you shape your mindset your journey um i will start off with tiffany ah that's a good question relationships that have shaped my journey i would say first and foremost would be the relationship with my mother so that's been, uh, I mean, she's my, my best friend, my role model, person I turn to, you know, for advice, for a different perspective. And so it's been interesting seeing how that relationship has changed over the years and shaped my journey depending on what point I'm in in my career or my growth and which point she is in as well. Um, so that's been helpful. And then friendships with friends. So like you all. And, um, you know, across friendships across the world at different stages in life. So from middle school to high school, you know, to college. And then as we all got into, you know, jobs and much more, 
I think that's been crucial just because it opens you up to similarities of struggles that we may be facing or how we're excelling, how people are doing things differently and just being a support for it as well. Um, that's been crucial. And then also when I think more recently in the workplace, so relationship I have with coworkers, you know, with bosses and that can change by company. So it's very, it's great to be able to see how that can be flexible and it's not static. So I'd say those, those have been crucial for me. And then also basketball coaches actually that taught me like hard work and, and being consistent and seeing how that can pay off. Okay. Okay. Tiffany basketball. So, I mean, what was your position, you know, point guard, what was it for you? <laughs> Kobe, you know was. Ah. I know. Um, I was, I was guard. I was guard and point guard. Lit. Yeah. Okay. You gotta have your handle right. <laughs> <laughs> what is a guard and a point guard? Are you not, it's not the same. It's not the same. No, no, it's not the same. Fun. How can you? Guard. Sometimes no, I play guards. Sometimes I play soccer. Apple. Back end. Well, we thank you, our points guard, Tiffany, for your amazing answer. I, I agree to mother relationships. Um, so Kwame, what would be your answer to the question, the relationships that have shaped your journey so far? I think the first, is in relationship with my family. Um, they've been my, you know, my bedrock and and um, supporting me through everything. Um, so that's for sure some uh, relationships that you know I try and keep and try and develop and grow every single day. Um, um, and then I think the second is friends. Um, I've traveled a lot and I've moved around and you know been around a lot of places. So um, I always have to establish a new network of friends. Um, and, you know, I think what I've been blessed with is the fact that wherever I go, I still maintain the friends from the last place that I left. And I think that not a lot of people can do that. And not a, pe- not a lot of people have the opportunity to do that. So it means I'm probably doing something right with the friends that I, keep, uh, I, I make. Right? So that's been great because um, they keep me uncomfortable and, um, and they're always there in terms of, you know, supporting me or uh you know, just, you know, being a light in my life. And then um, I think the next two relationships, the first is going to be um, my relationship with um, my, the people I meet at church. Um, I guess they also fall on the friends, but it's just a different kind of support network. Um, and then coworkers, coworkers that ha- actually genuinely care about me. Um, again, could be friends, but I also put them, I separate them because like, you know, you don't find a lot of coworkers that actually care or a lot of people who actually like, you know, want to see the best um, in you or want the best for you. So, um, yeah, those are the main relationships that have carried me forward. And yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. I agree with the coworkers part. Like, I think Tosin comes to mind. I don't know if, you know, yeah. Of course, um, your relationship with Tosin, yeah. <laughs> Tosin comes to mind. Um, so, Naomi, you know, what is your answer to the question as to relationships that have shaped your journey? I'd say definitely relationships with family. Um, particularly, just thinking about my relationship with my dad. Like growing up, he like really modeled like what a sense of pride looks like just being prideful in yourself and the positive sense of what that means and your identity and who you are. Um, and understanding that that's actually nothing that anyone can ever take away from you. Um, 
I'd say also like relationships with friends have been really important, especially because it's like in different friendships and different people, it's like there are different sides of myself that I think come through in different relationships. And it also gives me a chance to like reflect on those parts and explore more of myself. Yeah. So those, those two things have been really important. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. Um, the whole sense of pride, I, I think I, some African fathers have a very good way of just like instilling that to you. Like, don't you know who you are? Don't you know where to know where you're from? You know, they just like, they want to remind you, you know, even though it's can be very condescending, you know, about to flog you, but you know, it's a reminder of like, yeah, my dad, you know, he's just like, <laughs> before I flog you, I want to remind you quickly of who you are. So yeah, in different ways, it always like kind of instill that sense of pride. I truly agree. Um, lastly, Daniel, what would be yours? Sure. Um, so for me, it's hard to kind of differentiate most of those relationships. So from like, if I were to start out, say, relationship with God slash myself, because it's technically it's so it's very subjective because it's not like I'm. It's a relationship with something metaphysical. But it's also myself because I mean, you know, I'm um, I'm God. God's me. So that is something that like you know the conversations with yourselves that I have, if that makes sense. That that's something I actually like kind of hold weight on. Then there's also family as well too. There's friends. There's coworkers. There's even some people that you find or the relationship isn't per se good. Those kind of relationships I feel like are also useful for me. Because then that like promotes a different kind of motivation as well. So honestly, all relationships—it's crazy. I, I would, I wouldn't, I can't say there's no for, like I'm. I'm trying to think of a relationship to exclude, but even unhealthy relationships sometimes, like if you're not there for too long, um, hopefully, helps shapes you as well. So you can't ignore, you know, that kind of relationship. Yeah. But I would say I would say all kinds of relationships, um, starting with the metaphysical and God, and then like you know family friends and um non-family friends right. yeah i yes i completely agree on healthy relationships it's like you know as much as we want to know what we want we should also know like what we don't want so like what doesn't work with us you know so i completely agree with the answer and because like many of you have kind of like said something that i would say um like my answer including everyone's own would be my brothers like specifically because i know we all, we, we all mentioned family but I would say, like, specifically my family, I mean, that's obviously my mom and dad. But with my brothers, I always, growing up, it's like I, I didn't like them. But because I was the only girl, I always wished I had a sister. Um, so you know how it is, like, boys are rough. I was rough, too. I was such a tomboy. But, like, the fact that I didn't have someone to gist with and gossip with was, it broke my heart. Um, but the older we became, and it's crazy because, you know, fun facts, I haven't been in this, we haven't all been in the same school, continent, or country for the past um, 10 years or more. Um, so I've, I've had to grow up, you know, almost not seeing them for years. And we've, you know, just always been constant in that communication. You know, they're the festival I've always run to. They're like sisters, brothers all together. Cause my brothers, you know, they're really in touch with like their, their emotional side. So it's very easy for me to actually have this kind of conversations with them and not feel like, oh, this is, you know, it's too girly, that kind of thing. And just seeing how they've grown, their relationship with women and people has just, like, influenced my relationship with men. And, yeah, it's, it's just been an amazing journey that we've had in the span of 20-something years, and I'm just really grateful for them. Like, I don't think I ever want a sister anymore because they've just filled that void the older I became. 
Um, yeah, so the next question, sorry guys, my phone is just acting up. Oh, we iPhone 7 people. So um, there are a lot of depositions of what success means. What does it mean for you to be successful in this age of instant gratification and like virality? So, you know, if you're on TikTok these days, anybody can go viral and then that person is deemed successful, has arrived. Oh, I work at TikTok now. Hey. Um, but for you, <laughs> what, you know, what has success, you know, over time meant to you? And now that in this current age, what does it mean to you? Um, so we'll start off with Daniel. Success. Mm. So that's the thing about success. It's always going to change. So what success would be to me would be like, I, I can't, I can't tell you that up until maybe it's my last breath. I honestly think, but what I can say is what will entail success for me will be if I'm comfortable in what I'm doing at a certain point in time, let's say today or yesterday or tomorrow, if I'm proud of what I'm doing, so comfortability, um, like self-pride, and if I feel I'm somewhat like causing um, a good form of change, like I'm helping others, helping myself, and like just tr trying to change the status quo. So everything encompassing that. And of course, if there's bread, you get me. Like <laughs> money, money. <laughs> Money is what makes the world go around, but that's not the priority, but like that's part of the success if you want to be honest. So all those three. Right. Thank you. I just want to mention that when you said success for the first time, you sounded like DJ Khaled, like success. You know, you know how DJ Khaled's voice goes down. That's super cool. You know, but yeah, I do agree. Um, the fact that you even said like until like you're, you know, till you die, you know, that when it probably just comes to you, like everything, like all those moments, you know, would now feel like, okay, well, and I think that also gets, you know, keeps you hungry because if you feel like you've arrived at a certain point and you're just like, oh, okay, well, I can just keep being mediocre. But with that mentality, it just keeps you wanting to do more um, and hopefully, you know, make a positive impact. Um, so, Tiffany, what does success look to you? Success. success. This, uh, I've definitely been reflecting on this, as, especially during this time. And so for me, I actually narrowed it down to five things. So in this moment, and I can talk a bit more later about what it meant to me earlier on, but for me, for this moment, I'd say success would one, um, I want my life to be rich and full of experiences. So this includes, you know, just travels. I want to be able to see more of the world. I just wanted to just want to do things that enrich me um, in terms of just, fulfillment and personal growth. So not necessarily financially yet. Um, and then two is wanting to have an impact in a field I'm passionate about. Um, and that, you know, that's relating to the African continent. Um, and then the second is having an impact in relations to women and girls. So gender equality, you know, is something that I'm completely passionate about as well. Um, and then the fourth will be, of course, um, relationships and that's in terms of friendships I want to make sure that yeah you know like with you all wherever I go that I've lived a rich and full life a life full of experiences um, especially with the squad you know that's lovely um, and then number five would be financial so just having that financial success as well I don't need to be a multi-millionaire but I just want to make sure that I can live a comfortable life. You know, my friends and family can live a comfortable life. And we can also use that wealth to be able to 
you know, help empower others as well. Yeah, thank you. Um, to all your points, I think we can all agree. Um, I personally can agree to just like having a very rich and full experience and like being an impact, especially um, to the continent. So yeah, Kwame, your thoughts? Um, yeah, I've also been doing a lot of reflection. Um, I think the first thing is health. Um, I, I grew up a very sickly, uh, sickly child. Um, and for me, that's been number one all my life. Like the fact that, you know, I, you know, being, being in good health for me is success for me because like I, you know, I was born with a very sickly disease. I could have died, um, God forbid, like years ago. So for me, that's number one. Um, for, for myself, um, for myself, for my friends, for my family, for the people that I love. That's success. Um, second thing is definitely um, um, if you're successful in health, you want to make sure you're living comfortably as well. So it goes into finances for me. Um, you know, living comfortably. Like I, I, I've always thought that the more money that you, you make, the more happier that you'd be, but that's not true. There's more problems you have. So it's being comfortable with what you have in and managing it well so that if you actually go to the next phase of your life where you're earning that much more, you're still living in the means that you were still living in, which was comfortable, but you just had more money, right? Which gives you now the freedom to be uh, generous and to, um, and, to, and to live, you know, live a much, a much you know, better life. So that's, that's for me a second thing. Uh, so living comfortably. And the third thing is if you're living comfortably, right, you want to live comfortably whilst doing something that you're passionate about or something that you love. So it's obviously the aspect of, I always think about this, like when you wake up in the morning and you're doing something that you absolutely hate only because you earn so much, that is a sad thing. Um, because like tomorrow, God forbid, you're no longer around and it's like you just spent a lot of your life chasing money. So for me, it's like really like being intentional about what I'm doing, what I'm spending my time on and working on my passion. So it, so success to me is actually being able to like do what you love or on the contrary, not everyone can do what they love, but they can love what they do. So um, yeah, those are the three things. Okay, thank you. Um, I mean, to the point of like health, you know, just being healthy, I feel like, you know, all of us, because as much as we have goals and aspirations, it's still the physical body that's going to get us there. Um, so just taking the time like to work out, to eat healthy. So help me God trying to eat healthy these days. Um, you know, just, you know, reminding ourselves that it's a vessel that we we're trying to protect when we're 40 and when we like 50. So, you know, to your point on like, you know, having that good health sense. Um, so Naomi, what is your success um, success to me is really like feeling a sense of fulfillment so similar to what some folks have already said but following passions um establishing like peace of mind and maintaining that while understanding that there will always be things that come up in life that threaten that and it's about like your journey to going back to that equilibrium that's important um personal growth I think I look back, like every year, I look back at where I was at like a year ago and I'm like, oh Lord, <laughs> what was I thinking or what was I doing? Because um, it's like, you know, if you can't look back in the past five years and see how you've grown, it's like you're kind of just stagnating because there's so much to learn. 
there's so much to learn or like from the world and so much to learn about yourself um and i think that's like part of the joy of life just elevating yourself in that way mm-hmm. um i also just think about what books have touched around just like happiness and how like money doesn't equate happiness um and it's really about doing things that make you feel good as a human being and sometimes like financial stability and comfort is a piece of that so it's like figuring out what that balance is for me and why right yeah thank you so much for your answers um i completely agree just like looking back honestly my 16 year old self is completely different from what i am now or even at 20 um yeah so the next question would be the world often tells people especially women that we aren't good enough so what way um so just like to keep it to just like one point like what way have you been told or have you felt that you're not good enough and then at 26 how have you been able to rewrite that narrative i mean you don't have to have successfully tried but like in what ways have you in what ways so just like keeping it to one point um what way tiffany let me start with you Hmm. Uh, I think one way, probably, you know, knowing Nigeria and knowing the type of uh, society it is, so geared more towards the success of, of men, I think growing up, you know, one way, not that I've, you know, not that they would tell me you're not good enough, but you, you see this in the comments that are made where, you know, boys are prioritized over girls, like education of boys and this and that. Um, and as a woman or a girl, you should, yeah, you know, you should be more care, you should cater more towards men. Um, and so for me, that's always been a driving factor where, you know, I want to, I mean, I know for myself I'm enough, but just creating that opportunity to let them know that, you know, both girls and boys are equal. Um, so that's always been a driving factor in terms of like being successful in school, being successful in professional career, being successful as a human being and being smart. Um, so that's been a driving factor. Um, and as I think of that now when I'm 26, it's more of just being able to connect the dots. So it's more, it's being able to connect, you know, why I'm so passionate about women's equality and, you know, why I do what I do. Um, so yeah, that's what just drives me. Right. Thank you. Um, to comment what can you can you can you repeat the question sure um yeah no i mean i was just like you know emphasizing basically but like you know generally this one way or the other we've been told that we're not good enough and like you know what just one way just for time and then like what way have you felt or been told that you've been not that you're not good enough and then at 26 in what way have you tried to rewrite that narrative not good enough i i feel like i've heard i've i've not necessarily been told but the actions kind of like seem oh okay you're not good enough and that's been just working in tech so being a young black man trying to do the job that typically um, historically has been done by um, um, a white male, right? Um, then you get this guy who's trying to, you know, change, you know, the narrative, you know, and 
I've, I've kind of like through actions, through interviews, through, through uh, talking to people, you know, as much as on paper, I'm just as good as someone else who is a different color than me, right? Or if not better, right? In interviews or through conversations, I've always been made to feel like, no, you have to do a little bit more. And for me, it's like, <laughs> it's just been a very interesting experience where it feels like I'm always going up against a fight, you know, in order to actually get to a place that, I, you know, I've worked for similarly, if not harder than the next person, but just maybe because of my skin color or where I'm from and so forth, I've had to find other ways and be creative and think about how I can, you know, actually just, you know, get to the place that I want to get to um, and try and, you know, avoid all these barriers. But the way I've tried to kind of, you know, change the narrative is just to be, to let my voice be heard. Um, so I've been fortunate to actually break into, into these roles that I've typically wanted to get into, but, you know, no one sees like the, 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 the long roads that I took and everything. But when I finally get there and when I finally got in there, I've made, I've made it very, I've, I've, I've made it, you know, I've, I wake up every day and I'm very intentional to make sure that when I'm shut down or when someone speaks over me or when someone says, Hey, like basically we don't value ideas or when someone says, Hey, you, you don't have enough experience. I'm not afraid to speak up because typically I've kept quiet. Typically I've kind of, you know, gone a little bit, you know, silent and, and whatnot and, and and they they use that as a way to kind of you know overpower me and make me feel like i'm not good enough so i've been very intentional about making my voice be heard and, and being um, a part of conversations that i typically didn't want to be a part of and i used to think that that would that would cause me to be seen in a bad light but that actually has grown allowed me to gain more respect right um to actually show up as the person that they see on paper, um, even though they didn't believe that I was that person, right? So right. that's kind of like what I've been doing. So being vocal, being intentional, and also trying to help the next best person who is going through the same thing as me. Thank you. I agree, just being vocal is, you know, that's one thing. Um, so to Naomi, so what way, just one way for the interest of time, um, what what is that one thing that you've, felt or heard and then now that you're 26 how are you able to have you been able to try to rewrite that narrative yeah um i'd say one way is basically being told that i don't fit into the that little tiny constructive box of what a woman is supposed to be um that i don't fit into that neatly enough or at all in a lot of cases um and for me, I feel like the way I've navigated that has been very, very internal in terms of like a long time ago, I kind of just made an agreement with myself that it's a disservice to me to not show up as like the person I am authentically outside of what other boxes and worlds have been constructed for me. And also comes to the understanding that if I continue to show up as my true self, and those are things that people aren't able to understand or be around. Then it's time for me to like think about and reflect on what those relationships actually mean and what it looks like to 
navigate them or to sever ties in some cases. And I say that in a way where it's like, I acknowledge that each, each person is like a work in progress and we all have our faults um, and we all should take accountability for our actions. So that's not licensed to treat people in whatever way you want because you think that makes sense. Um, but for me, it's been more about like, I know I'm a good person and this is who I am and how I show up. And if that's something that someone wants to collapse and fit into a box because it makes them feel good about what life is supposed to look like, and that actually doesn't make sense and it doesn't serve me. Thank you. Um, so Daniel, over to you. Sure. Um, I guess this ties down again to like just what I said, I like the stubbornness part of me. So if someone says that personally, it's, it's almost like a trigger that just promotes like a form of motivation. Mm. So, it if let's say it happens and i do see that i'm better than what that person might assume or what a group group might assume then that's the challenge to not only prove them wrong but also prove myself right and it's just it's being how i look and how i am in terms of just like my personality and my mentality that happens a lot so i'm not i'm at a point in my life where that's honestly not white noise but it's like it's almost like breakfast the, the issue now is there will be some times where you you are actually not good enough. So that for me is where I struggle because I'm like, hmm, where do I actually sit down and reconsider my ability in this certain situation? But most times in general, that's it, that's just fi- that's a fuel to my fire. So I never have a problem with that. Right. Thank you all so much. Like these answers are just you know really true to what it says. Like constantly trying to rewrite narratives is just really hard and yeah um i'm really glad that we all just have like ways of just going through it like being vocal just like remembering that you're just doing a disservice to yourself um if you're not trying to rewrite those narratives um so a question that i think is always very tricky to navigate just generally is like how do you balance spirituality and like being socially aware so we all know like the raining songs you know, we all try to be very socially conscious and have relationships with people who are, you know, as socially conscious as well. But like, how do you balance your spirituality, like going to church and praying and even living your faith like day to day when people don't necessarily believe in God or don't necessarily, you know, want to have this kind of conversation. So how do you go about it? Um, I'll start with Pastor Kwame because, you know, <laughs> He's our spiritual director. <laughs> so, wait, wait, so, so the part, can you, so the, the tying into the spirituality to the, um, yeah, so like how do you balance social your, peace? Yeah, your spirituality, like basically living your faith in a very, you know, socially conscious world or, you know, almost. Uh, so I actually have never really thought that much into it. And that's mainly just because, like, so I, I grew up Christian, and for me, it's 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 been it's been all I've known for most of my life. But at a certain point, right, I had to be intentional about my faith and my 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 relationship with God. So I would I wouldn't count honestly the time before I was actually intentional about living out my faith with God and so forth. So I've never had to think about it mostly because. Um, 
I, I, I honestly just think about the times where I felt alone, the times where I called on God and said, God, look, like I'm at this, I'm at my lowest. And I, I, I really just pray for you to bring someone into my life or to, um, you know, just show me a way out of this situation. And he has consistently done so. So for me, it's all about continuously being myself. So I don't think about, oh, am I going to offend the next person by believing in God? That's my relationship with God, right? Um, I, I guess it crosses a line where you are now encouraging someone else to believe in, to, to actually take up this faith journey with God, right? But honestly, I never really think about it. I show up as myself every single day. I'm not afraid to, to show that or not to even to show. It's not about showing. I'm not afraid to to continue believing in God in a society that doesn't believe in God, right? It's, again, it stems from my relationship with God, which is something that I'm very intentional about. And if it offends the next person, or if it, you know, it's something that doesn't sit well with the next person or society, it's honestly not something I really think about because it, for me, it's all about my import, like maintaining my relationship with God. Um, and that's paramount of importance it's you know paramount importance to me so that's that's what i'm saying it's just a very interesting question where i never really think about oh am i going to offend you if i'm saying hey i love god maybe in relationships right when we talk about relationship goals and stuff like that maybe that's the only time i really think about it because you know i can't you know i can't marry someone who's not you know, a believer so um but other than that no i, I it's not something that i, I ponder on okay yeah, thank you so much for that. Um, Naomi, what would you, what would your answer be to like basically balancing or living your faith in this society? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's actually too difficult to balance. For me, I feel like there are just like many truths that exist and can exist at the same time. And I feel like I know my truth and it's important to me. And there are also many others that exist. Right. Um, so I think that similar to what Kwame said, it's just about like, if I'm just showing up as myself, that will always be okay. And that's always kind of like the North star and like the, the guiding point. And another interesting part to this is like, when we, when we think about like faith and society and culture, it's like that shifts as you shift across landscapes. Mm -hmm. So in certain places, it's like, being Christian or believing in God is the norm. Like for a long time in society and history, that was the norm, especially thinking about the ties to like colonization and imperialism in a lot of ways. And in other places, it's not. So it's also kind of like a shifting understanding of that I think has been important in my life. Um, but yeah, it's just about like, there are many truths that exist and I can hold my truth and other people can hold their truth and no one has to be um, more right than the other. Mm -hmm. I agree. Thank you. Um, Daniel, what would be your answer? Yeah, it's almost in the similar light of um, what Naomi said. So I grew up, um, if we want to focus on the spirituality of my religion, I grew up a Christian. My dad is a pastor. I'm a pastor. I don't know if you guys know that, but my dad is a pastor. So I know everything about the church, about you know the Bible back in the day. So I get it, like, I, um, I've never struggled with 
um, my own relationship with God. So I don't think I've ever had the feeling to be like, oh, okay, me doing this or not doing this is against my religion or against my morality. I do, however, have some issues with like the physical manifestation of Christianity sometimes, like church and then, you know, some preachers. But that's that doesn't affect my spirituality, if that makes sense. Right. That's I'm I'm always fine with my God. Like I'm good. Yeah. Um Tiffany. <laughs> yeah. Um I'd say uh, I grew up Catholic, which is um, interesting. Um, <laughs> and so I think <laughs> my, <laughs> uh, this is a question that, yeah, I'd say I struggle with, but I, yeah, I'd say I, I think. Say it's not, you haven't said anything. <laughs> ah, Suru, let me, for, I'm formulating my thoughts. Sorry, sorry, I got um, excited. I, uh, I'm a pastor, eh? You know now. That's excited. Um, I'd say it's. I'd say for me, balancing both is a work in progress, and mm-hmm. um, it's definitely been. I think it's been more challenging just because of taking a step back from saying, "Oh, Catholicism is, you know, what I want to practice." Just, um, I guess, separating that from my relationship with God. Um, so focusing on it more on a personal level, just because like Bosch did say, um, you know, I, I do have my qualms with the Catholic church and the institution and how it is in practice. But at the end of the day, you know, my relationship with this higher power is mine. So being able to separate that um, and focus on that relationship so, solely and then balancing that with, um, you know, just day to day and being in life is something that I do struggle and I do need to be better at. But as everyone has mentioned, it comes down to priority. So how do you prioritize it? And, mm-hmm. and it's something that I, I recognize in myself that I need to be better. So just carving out time for it. Yeah, thank you all for your answers. I'm, I'm just really glad to see how like we're all self-aware about and then just also proud of like our spirituality. Like, okay, well, this is who I am. And like, if you're not comfortable with it, I, you know, like, I'm not really going to apologize because it's a personal relationship with God. So it's really nice to see. So I have two more questions. Um, do you, so like looking at Africa, like, because we're all Africans right now and with everything that we're going, like everything that's just going on with the corruption, um, with the bad governance, with COVID, um, just listening to you all, I can tell that you all have, you know, this tenacity, this passion to, you know, to create an impact. So do you see yourself going back to the continent? Do you see yourself being an agent of change? Do you see yourself starting a revolution what are those ideas that come to mind, you know, whenever I think of, like, whenever you get angry about certain situations that happen in various countries in the continent? Oh, Is yeah. that group or? Naomi. Let's see. I mean, starting a revolution is no casual thing. <laughs> um, but I... I do see myself like definitely like contributing and impacting Nigeria in a way that makes sense to me. And a lot of those ways are kind of like, 
I have a, I have a lot of thoughts, opinions, and ways of being that go against the grain of what the cultural norms and core um, is. And I think there's something about not always necessarily introducing ideas for the purpose of changing those ideas to yours, but more so creating space to understand different ways of thinking and being and having acceptance for the varied ways of living life. Um, and a lot of those like really start with like conversations and like social movements and social acceptance about opening your mind and space up to just allow for difference and different ways of being. Mm -hmm. I think that's more like on the philosophical end of what it means to like live and be as a human being existentially. I think like when thinking about political spaces and what that means for economy um, and a lot of cases um, like corruption or like work that goes against corruption, there's like, there's definitely something that I think is tied up in like how do we how do we actually organize um in our generation to and to drive change structurally over a series of years with the understanding that this is something that has been said for so many so many generations but hasn't necessarily been actualized so how do we actually do things differently and work together work together to actually make those changes Um, Daniel, so you give me this like Falakuti type of vibe. So do you see yourself like, you know, being this radical? Sorry, I'm uh, hearing what kind of vibes are big. Falakuti. <laughs> nah, I mean, nah, and yeah. First thing that will come to mind is like all of us are vessels of wherever we come from. And like, you know, my parents always champion that. So the first form of me trying to form some kind of change to the continent would be trying to present my best qualities to my whatever audience I have. So I do see myself starting a business back home. I do see myself starting houses back home. You know, just like that, that's pushing me. I'm motivated by that. But another thing I'm motivated by is trying to change the default for like the term Africans. Like everyone knows the like stereotypes that like the default like African has and it incites anger sometimes in me. And I like one of the things that drives me is making as much effort talking to strangers or even people in my inner circle and just trying to push that default. Cause then you make one change to the default to your group of people or to a group of people that flies around and like, you know, conversations start to then change. It's like a network graph. It just expands like this. So that's what I'm passionate about. Like using my, the art of conversation to try and cause a change, if that makes sense. But then I also physically would love to start businesses that can help, the economy in Africa, not even Nigeria alone, but just like, mm-hmm. you know, send money back home as opposed to keeping it here in uh, Switzerland. You get me? I get, I get you. <laughs> um, Kwame, so, you know, your, your name is after, you know, an African legend in Ghana. So for you, how, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, we say that names are very unique and like very personal to us because like it tends to inspire us. So for you, how has like your name, and many other experiences, you know, inspired you to be an, an agent of change in your continent and in your country. It's funny you say that. You're talking about Kwame Nkrumah, right? 
it's funny like and now i think three years ago was it three years ago four years ago my cousin married his granddaughter so now we are in the same hey, family i'm so sorry <laughs> do you mean um adako adako no oh, okay sorry adako. I thought it was a What is this name yeah. calling? Why are we recording this? So please. I know. <laughs> yeah. it, it just came over my head. I'm so sorry, y'all. <laughs> I will take this out. <laughs> but yeah, I grew up. I grew up being called Kwame Nkrumah because I grew up in Southern Africa, and that's the only famous Kwame they knew. So that was from a from a very young age being called that. Like that was amazing. Even you know, I you know. But um, yeah. So in terms of like. Uh, looking forward. So that's one of the reasons I got into technology. Um, I believe technology is, is going to be our, our agent of change on the continent, um, coupled with ethical leadership. Um, so for me, um, with, to answer your question directly, like, do I see myself, um, you know, making some sort of change? I, I, I don't like that word, like change. It's like, I, I, I see myself making an impact. Um, and uh, I remember I made the decision to study at this um, university called Ashesi University in Ghana. So one of the first liberal arts colleges um, on the continent. And um, started by a very noble man, Mr. Patrick Ewa. I have so much respect for him. Um, and his goal is to, 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 to build up, you know, to build or to educate ethical leaders on the continent. And um, his goal is that he started this, I think, in 2001 or so. And his goal has been to, you know, have to to build to change the narrative, or to change the narrative within, you know, the high positions in government or in um, in the private, um, you know, industry. And um, and I'm already seeing that kind of change. So the reason I ch- I decided to go there is because I wanted to understand. Okay, so I'm in America. I'm getting this education here, but if I do want to end up building or making an impact on the continent. I need to leap forward and go and understand a little bit more, like why do we have corruption in the government? Why do we have people who, um, if 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 I'm, I'm coming to the government, I need something from you, you work for the government, why do I have to give you $20 to get my, the very, to do the very job that you're being paid for, you know? Why do we have that going on? And Ashesi for me taught me a lot of that. Um, it's a school where, I drop $20 on the floor. I'll come back and find it pinned on the billboard and they're waiting for the rightful person to come pick it up. Um, I wanted to learn that. I want to, to connect with folks who are going to, who are going, who who are learning that as well. Um, And who are evidently going to be our leaders in, 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 on the continent. So I do want to, I do want to make some sort of impact. And for me, I got into technology because I believe that's going to be our agent of change. Um, and I'm very passionate about solving problems, particularly within payments, within shopping, within kind of that, that, that kind of um, segment. So, um, yes, I would love to. I'd love to. Um, God willing, I'd be able to, I'll be given the you know, chance to. But um, I think, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity to make an actual impact on the continent. While you look at it here in the U.S., like, honestly, we've solved a lot of problems here in the U.S. And, like, we're always trying to, like, do that extra extra thing you know but on the continent the basic things that people still don't have and don't have access to that you know simple idea could change millions and 
millions of lives. So, um, mm -hmm. and it's the fastest growing, growing uh, economy. So exactly, yeah. No, thank you. Um, <clears throat> your point about like payments, I feel like fintech is on the rise in the continent, and like many countries are very are still still using cash. Like it's it's crazy, and like this COVID really showed how people rushed to banks because you know they've been in lockdown, they couldn't send money, they couldn't make transactions. So and it's crazy that banks are closed. Banks are closed. Banks are closed. So Banks are closed. You, yeah. you know, yeah. so, so you know, a lot of fintech companies are coming up. So that would be a very great idea to you know just push with all your experience here in the Bay, just like take it down to Africa. Um, so Tiffany, you know, you you speak a lot about just touring the continent, how you always want to give back. So what is that idea of impact that you want to give to the continent? Yes, I mean. <laughs> I love the continent and I want us to be able to realize ourselves as the African giant. I think Kwame touched on it in terms of, um, I think technology will be the vessel and then actually just having, you know, leaders that have, that want to make an impact that actually want us to realize our full potential. Um, and so I've been, I would love to be in the continent. I've been always trying to go back from, you know, after graduation to most recently to now, but I know there's a purpose why I'm here and being able to, you know, gain the experience, being able to work in tech and gain the experience. I know I can use that knowledge down the line. Ideally, I would like to work on projects of scale. So like Kwame mentioned, you know, financial industry, let's talk about structures. Let's talk, talk about impacts you know, roads, airports, just different things that on a day-to-day -day level can just make such a major difference. And so, yeah, that is, that is the plan. I'm very excited and it's a journey, but we will get there. I've, I've grown up, you know, growing up in diplomacy um, with my parents and family. The conversation at the dinner table was always corruption. You know, why aren't we where we need to be, especially in Nigeria, but on the continent at large? And I hope that by the time we're that age, we're 40s, we're 50s, we're 60s, we're not having that same conversation. So I hope that there will be some change. And mm -hmm. um, by being where we are now, we're taking, we're definitely taking initiative. All right. Well, thank you so much for all your answers. Um, I completely agree. Like, I honestly hope to be president someday. That's like very wild. Um, and I just like see revolution. Honestly, I know it's it sounds very balanced, but I just always have this ideology that like until these African leaders actually die, <laughs> I hate to sound very radical, but like you want to kill them. You want to kill all the leaders. Don't you know? Like it's just like a thought. Like if they cause think about it, like if they're still alive, they just have so much influence. Power. Yeah. And you know they've been recycling themselves for the past only God knows how many years. And it's like okay, well maybe we just have to take you out um but it is like a but, fun yes do you want i'm to just saying but like i i feel like i i you know i feel like um we are allowing them to be where they are They're, and and i know a lot of people would disagree but if we wanted to we could ensure that um, some leaders are no longer in the positions that they are. I think mm -hmm. it's very radical to go for the like, like the high top, top, top leaders, like the president, like that will cause issues because I'm sure there'll be bloodshed before they can come out of power. But there's some people in, in institutions like education, like education is really corrupt. We've got still, we've got issues like we have um, 
women who are taken advantage of in order to get the grades that they actually truly deserve, right? We could do something about that. We got healthcare providers who are providing poor um, healthcare, but at a very, very high rate, right? That could be fixed. Like there are certain things that we have control over that we can work towards yeah. before we actually cut the head, right? <laughs> um, uh, not, I wouldn't say cut the head, but dethrone yeah. the person. Yeah. yeah, right. So I, I think there's a lot that we can do. We, there's a lot yeah. we can do no, peacefully. I completely yeah. agree. Yeah, no, definitely peaceful route. And then it's just it's a very fun thought, but I've always wanted to ensure that Nigeria has a stake in the Olympics. So... I know it's crazy, but I look at it like whenever the Olympics come, like we're just maybe in soccer or football, but then there's so many amazing athletes. Like when I was in lag and I was like playing soccer for my in class, like I would meet so many amazing basketballers, shot puts, long run, and they're all now going to American universities. They're not representing their country. So for me, I was always just like, you know what, if I ever get to some kind, I really want to push that we actually create training grounds. We get the best coaches, train them, and then we go to Olympics and carry some goddamn medals, at least 30 or 40, you know? Let's let's be on that. Every time, bronze with um, soccer, I beg, or Mikel is giving us silver boots. <laughs> I mean, it's exciting, but like, I'm just saying, you know, we could do better because we have so much better, you know? So I'm just like, I, I just don't know what I think it's called. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, Daniel, what were you going to say? <laughs> I, I agree with everything with you. Promotion, <laughs> uh, promotion from the home. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, so my last question to just close us out um, would be, you know, if you could meet your 13-year-old self, um, what would you say to him or her? So I chose 13 because that's the beginning of adolescence. And honestly, the half, half of 26 is 13. So that kind of made sense. Um, so yeah, if you could, you know, what is that one thing? Just make you very brief, you know, because attention span of adolescence is pretty short. So you sit her down and like, oh, okay, this is what I'll say to you. What would that be? Um, we'll start with y'all are all thinking, so I'm just like, I'm gonna give you some time. Mm, okay, let's go with Daniel. He seems very confident, like he knows what he's gonna say. So let's <laughs> I mean, I pretty much already said it, like that, like so knowing what I know now, what I'll tell myself when I'm 13 or just yeah, like, knowing what you know. How deep do you want to go in that question? Is what I'm trying to let not that deep for interest of time, oh. but like ah, you know, sorry. knowing what you know now. You know, what would you tell your 13-year-old self? Oh, enjoy the ride. Change is constant. Enjoy the ride. I like that. Okay. Um, Naomi? Um, I'll say just be yourself. That is, like, literally the key to happiness. Just be yourself. Don't perform I mean, anything you. for anyone. Okay. <laughs> I shouldn't be anyone else. Just myself. Just yourself. Thank you. <laughs> okay, um, Madam Tiffany, what would you t- tell your thirteen-year-old self? Tiffany still think you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you have to evaluate where you are now and evaluate where you were then, and then see what where are the gaps. Yeah. <laughs> um, to be honest, I think mine is very practical. I think, um, in addition to because I studied diplomacy in German, and in in addition to that, I would have told myself to get. Um, to do a dual, dual degree and get something that's more strategic. Yeah, I mean, I, like, because you prep towards it. So I'd have told myself either, like, 
learn to code, like just do, do something in addition to IR. Back in, back in. <laughs> that's literally, that's what, that's what I would have told. That's what I would have told myself. Just cause I mean, at 13, I was, I was living life. I was living life too much in New York. Mm-hmm. Ah, I was good. <laughs> I just needed some practical, some practical skills. Right. Um, Kwame, over to you. Um, wow. 13. So I'm trying to think I just started Oh, it was in my second year of high school. Um, and second year of high school is focusing on too many wrong things. So I think I'd say um, first thing, <laughs> uh, I'll let your mind wander, but um, <laughs> the first thing, the first thing I'd say is you'll be comfortable in who you are. I don't think I was that comfortable in my skin um, at that age. And that limited me because I was too focused on myself, right? The second thing would be, yo, dream big, child. Like, you you can do it. Like, you can do it. Don't be afraid. Like, that's the second thing. And the last thing is that um, just change is going to come. But don't be afraid of change because sometimes change is good. Yeah. Um, those are mean th- three things I think I'll tell myself. Right. Then again, we can't go back, right? But yeah. um, no, those I are think. the same things I'll tell myself now. <laughs> and also you your know, future children, yeah. exactly. So yeah. it's all people yeah. around you. Um, yeah, thank yeah. you all so much. I mean, I would say for me, <laughs> I'll tell my 13-year-old that you're, you're, pearl, you're a late bloomer. Just, just hold it all in. Be patient. I think, you know, physically, emotionally, lives, when it came to success, everything, like, it just... Mine always took time. Like, you know, in my family, mom would always say, like, I don't know why, but it's like God always keeps the best for you. And that's why it always comes last. And then physically, I was very skinny. I never thought I would be curvy in any way. I was like, a bunch. <laughs> I was so insecure. Like, I was just tall, skinny ass, you know, buck teeth, you know. My, and then my mom was like this model, beautiful, tall woman. And I was just like, when is this going to happen to me? Like, I'm, I know I came from her. So. <laughs> but when did. When did it, when did the board start becoming? Uh, Goodbye. Hello, are you there? <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> so, I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Be patient and like you know you're a late bloomer and trust me you would you would appreciate everything in due time. <laughs> so that would be what I'll tell her. Yeah, just to ease the mood because all everything you guys have said is all relative. Like you know being yourself, you know change is constant. So. Yes, um, I just want to say thank you all so much. Um, this has been the XXVI project, and it's just been amazing to hear this amazing voices. And I'm glad I know you all because, and I'm glad the audience gets to know you because, you know, when you all are famous, you're popular, we'll be like, oh, I recorded her. <laughs> I have proof. <laughs> Trust me. Perle, we are famous already. Please don't hey, limit us. We are famous already. So I mean as you all heard it's Kelpie vibes and I'm just really glad to know you all and I'm for everyone that's listening, like I'm gonna be posting your social media handles. Um some of them are single. I think all of you are single. So just you know, put it on the I was not ready. Oh, okay. I was not ready either. You know, yeah, I never that. Wow. Although, um, Daniel is IGC, so tread carefully. Um, Stop that now. I'm a good boy. Hey. I'm a good boy. Yeah, I'm a master. <laughs> Tell them. Uh, but yeah, so it looks like if you ever want to connect, if you do have more questions, I will put your social media handles. Um, 
and just like know you know there's more conversation to come and you know just keep having this conversation with yourself generally like all these questions that we've asked ourselves is like you know day to day just keep reflecting on them and just seeing how we can be better because the 3-0 is coming 4-0 you know so it's just like you know having that good foundation that would lead you towards those years as you know as life comes at you so yeah thank you all so much and you know i'm wishing you the best weekend and this has been pearl i'm gonna stop the recording now okay